Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gospel Project Adult Weekly Podcast Training. It's my privilege to be your host this quarter. My name is Ken Braddy. I am the director of Sunday School at Lifeway. It's my privilege to meet with you throughout this quarter and look at these lessons that are coming up in our Gospel Project Winter Quarter. The one that we're going to look at this week is from unit number five, and it's session number three. The unit is titled, To Dwell in the House of the Lord. And this particular lesson, which is session number three in this unit number five, it's titled Faithfulness at the Mountain. And so obviously it's going to be the story of the Ten Commandments, Moses receiving those and bringing the tablets down from the mountain. The suggested use date is January the 16th, 2022. Hard to believe that uh, we're already three weeks deep into a brand new year. Well, let's get started and take a look at this lesson titled Faithfulness at the Mountain. The session is broken down into three different parts, just like we always do. Now, some of these are going to have a lot of scripture that you're going to have to deal with. And like I've said in previous episodes, don't feel like you have to cover every verse in all three sections, unless you've got a lot of time to study the Bible with your group. Uh, it'll be very unusual for groups to get through all of these scripture passages. So don't feel bad about being selective and just focusing laser-like uh, on a, a, a verse or two or three in each of these sections, if that's what you need to do to make sure that you can move your people through this session. Well, the first session, uh, the first section of scripture that we're going to study is titled, Idol Worshippers Distort the Worship of God, and that's from Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. In the second section, it's titled, Idol Worshippers Deserve the Judgment of God, and that is from Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14, and in the final section that we'll study this week, Idol worshipers depend on the grace of God, and that is Exodus 34, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 9. So, a lot of verses for us to cover. The background for this session is from Exodus 32, 33, and 34. That's what you may want to uh, read, just to make sure that you've got a good feeling for what is happening uh, in these days that are leading up to the study that we're about to undertake. Well, what will your group learn this week? Well, we know that God judges idol worshipers for giving the worship that is due him to something or someone else, but he also offers grace. That's what the group needs to learn, that if we have put something or someone in front of our relationship with God, there is still grace that we can find at the cross. How will my group see Christ in this, in this session? Well, we know that the children of Israel sinned, and they required a mediator to step in and to intercede before God on their behalf. Jesus Christ is the perfect mediator between God and sinful humanity, faithfully interceding on behalf of God's people. And then finally, how should my group, how should your group respond? Because Jesus has brought us to God as our mediator, we intercede for others who are in need of salvation, praying for their redemption as we point them to Jesus. Well, you'll remember that the setting of our studies, and this one in particular, 
is that uh, the Israelites have finally arrived at Mount Sinai and had prepared themselves, and God spoke his Ten Commandments to them directly. And this frightened the people, and they requested that Moses speak to God for them. And so Moses climbed up Mount Sinai twice, and his second ascent lasted for 40 days and nights as the Lord gave him his law and the tablets that contained the Ten Commandments for the people. But in Moses' absence, the Israelites grew restless, and they grew forgetful. And so that's the setting for this particular study. So let's move right into this first section of your, of your Bible study. It's verses 1 through 6 of chapter 32. And our first point is this, idol worshipers distort the worship of God. Here's what the word says. Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said to him, come, make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Verse 2, Aaron replied to them, take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took the gold from them and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and he made it into an image of a calf. And then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And in verse five, it says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and he made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. And early the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Wow, what a sad and terrible situation to, to find the Israelites in, so quickly forgetting how God had provided for their release, their escape from Egypt, and now they had forgotten about the Lord's goodness. They had little regard for Moses who had led them to this point. And they were quickly straying and quickly starting to worship other pagan gods that were being fashioned out of their own jewelry. Uh, just a terrible thing. Well, Moses you know, had been up on the mountain for some time receiving instruction uh, to build God's dwelling place among the people, along with uh, all kinds of practices associated with the worship of God. Uh, but his delay in returning to the people caused him to grow very restless. And although he had been gone for just a little over a month, the people began to have concerns about God's prophet. You remember the phrase, this Moses, this Moses, and expressed their doubts and their misgivings about his leadership. And with his extended absence, the people determined that Moses could not be followed any longer. And so the people, you know, they gathered around Aaron, began to demand an alternate form of worship at the same time that Moses was receiving instructions for Israel's right and true worship of the living God. But instead of waiting for God's instructions, the people decided to come up with their own way to worship, something that would please themselves. And submitting to their request, Aaron instructed the people to take off their gold rings. You know, the jewelry had been given to them by their former masters in Egypt. And God had arranged this gift for the Israelites, but now they were using God's good gift of gold to make a pagan idol. 
Well, the people had violated the first and second commandments already. You know, they had distorted the true worship of God and had exchanged his glory for something that was created. And now this living God who had brought them out of Egypt, he was being replaced by a lifeless statue. And Aaron, it says here, built an altar and he announced a festival to the Lord. Well, idol worship does not result in holy living, but it results in distorted living. And to celebrate the golden calf, the people offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And by the way, there's a note about that in your leader guide. And then they indulged in partying full of sinful behavior. And the word translated party here suggests that there was sexual immorality that was involved in this. And so this is the end result of distorted worship. It leads to distorted lives that do not follow God's commands nor his ways. Well, point number two, this middle part of your Bible study, it's a long section of scripture. It's, it's eight verses long. It starts in verse seven of Exodus chapter 32. And the title for your second section is Idol Worshippers Deserve the Judgment of God. But here's what the scripture says in Exodus 32, verse 7. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once, for your people that you brought out from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way that I commanded them, and they have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people and they are indeed stiff-necked. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. And then I will make you into a great nation. But verse 11 says this. It says that Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. He said, Lord, why does your anger burn against your people you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster planned for your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make you offspring as your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your offspring all this land that I have promised, and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster that he had said he would bring on his people. That's how verse 14 wraps up this section. You'll find that there is an essential doctrine that we want to bring out in this lesson. And in this second section, that's where it's going to fall. You'll see this in your leader material. Uh, but we're going to ask you to focus on essential doctrine number 22. Remember, Gospel Project has 99 essential doctrines that we look at over the course of the three-year study plan. And essential doctrine number 22 says that God is omnipresent. And what this says in your leader guide is this, that God's omnipresence, it refers to his presence in all time and in all places simultaneously. And because God exists apart from and outside of time and space, he is not limited by their constraints. He is present with us wherever we are, and he sees all that occurs. Nothing escapes his attention. God's omnipresence is a deterrent for sin and a source of great comfort for those who hope and trust in him. And so this relates directly to the fact 
that while God is with Moses on Mount Sinai, he is also present with his people down at the base of the mountain, and he knows exactly what they are doing. At the same time, he is relating to Moses up on the top of the mountain. And so a great doctrine for you to bring forth uh, to your people uh, as you study the second section of scripture. So we know that Moses, you know, up on the mountain meeting with the Lord, uh, this all-knowing, all-present God, he knew what was going, on, going down in the camp. Uh, nothing escapes his sight. And the Lord repeated the people's exact words to Moses and instructed him to return to the people because they'd acted corruptly. Their sin had alienated them from God. And, and those whom God had redeemed and called my people were now distant from God. And no longer were they described as God's people whom the Lord delivered, but as your people, Moses's people. Well, Moses sought God's mercy and his grace for Israel in the midst of their sin. And standing as a mediator between God and the people, Moses implored the Lord not to start over with him. So just as Moses interceded for the people, we have an intercessor who always lives to make intercession for us. That's what Hebrews 7.25 says. And he pleads our case before the Father, acting as our advocate when we sin. But Christ is so superior to Moses in that he is the righteous one who has never sinned and pays the penalty for our sins as the atoning sacrifice. That's from 1 John 2, verses 1 through 2. This reminds us to stand in the middle, to stand as mediators between God and others, to intercede on their behalf. Well, section number three of your lesson wraps up in chapter 34. So we jump forward from chapter 32 in the first two sections of your study. We wrap up this third section in chapter 34. And this is another long passage. There are 10 verses here. And so uh, by my count, this is going to be a, a high verse uh, study this week. So again, don't feel badly if you want to trim a few verses out here or there. Uh, as long as you hit the core of each of these sections, I think that you'll be able to get through uh, this Bible study. Well, here's what it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 9. The title for this section is, Idol worshipers depend on the grace of God. And here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, cut two stone tablets like the first ones. And I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. You remember that Moses came down from the mountain, saw the people sinning and smashed the first two tablets. Well, verse four says Moses cut two stone tablets like the first ones. And he got up early in the morning and taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai, but that was a, a pretty difficult trek, right? Carrying two stone tablets up the mountain. Uh, but it says he did it just as the Lord commanded him. And then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Verse 6 says, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord. The Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. 
Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and he worshiped. And then he said, my Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, my Lord, please go with us. Even though this is a stiff necked people, forgive our iniquity and our sin and accept us as your own possession. What a beautiful passage of scripture and a very famous and familiar verse about the Lord being compassionate and grace, uh, gracious and abounding in faithful love and truth to a thousand generations. Well, as a demonstration of his grace, the Lord you know, told Moses, cut out two new tablets and bring them to the mountain. And the Lord would reestablish the covenant, writing his law on these two new tablets and reiterating what he had said before with the expectation that his people would live by his law. And they were to worship him alone. They were to honor his name, to trust in his rest, to give regard to his established authority, to practice sexual purity, to speak truthfully, to respect property, to respect life, and to guard their hearts. And you'll find all of that there in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. And Moses eagerly obeyed, and he did exactly as the Lord had commanded. That's what the scripture says. And then and when you get down to verses 6 and 7, remember that we read there, you know, those verses and those that follow are crucial uh, throughout the rest of the Old Testament. God's revelation to Moses is repeated by David in Psalms 86, verse 15, Psalms 103, verse 8, Psalm 145, verse 8, Jonah at Jonah 4, verse 2. Uh, Joel at Joel chapter 2 verse 13 are just some examples of where this these these phrases are repeated and these words became the key text that the people returned to when they recalled the character and the attributes of God and in those verses these verses God reveals himself repeatedly by his name the Lord Yahweh the personal name that God had revealed to Moses at the burning bush is the same name by which he reveals his glory and here the Lord gives Moses a fuller revelation of his name. Well, remember too here in this section of scripture, the Lord is forgiving and he is willing to carry the burden of our sin away himself. His forgiveness extends to our iniquity or our rebellion and our sin. And when we turn away and when we are fragrantly disobedient and defiant or simply fail to do what God commands, his forgiveness abounds to sinners who are in a relationship with him under his covenant love. There may be somebody in your group today is, that is going to need to hear that although they have made mistakes this week, maybe in the last month, uh, maybe this last year, there's something that's really gnawing at them and they feel separated. They feel uh, apart and distant from God. They need to remember that part of this story of the Exodus is God forgiving and restoring his people after they have sinned. It's such an important truth that we need to remind our people they don't need to live in a, uh, a state of condemnation, self-condemnation. Well, as you make your way through the lesson, there's, uh, there are three suggestions for you to wrap up this lesson. Uh, and we say this uh, on page 88 in your leader guide uh, in the My Response section. So there's three different ways uh, that a person in your group might apply this particular study and we've got these arranged in this session, the, the sections of head, heart, and hands. There is something uh, for your people to know. That's the head response. There is something for them to believe. That's the heart response. And then there's something for them to do. 
And that is the hands response that we give you here. And anybody in your group should be able to pick one of those three and to apply the lesson immediately this week to their lives. Well, as you move to the, uh, to the final pages in your leader guide on this section, this particular session, uh, you're going to find uh, the extra section, and we have loaded you up this week, uh, four extra paragraphs of commentary that will help you to unpack the scriptures even more with your group, and again, three uh, different illustrations that you can pepper in throughout the lesson. Maybe you want to lead off with it, with one of those. Maybe you want to introduce one in the middle of the lesson, and then maybe you want to wrap up with that third and final, or maybe you just want to use two or just one of these illustrations, but they're great, they're solid, and they're going to help you make uh, some great connections between the text and life today for your people. Well, I've been leaving you with a teaching tip uh, in the weeks uh, prior to this, and so I want to continue that. Uh, this week, I want to offer you a teaching tip, and I want to encourage you to throw your group uh, what I'm going to call a curveball. Uh, too many of our groups, uh, we're as, as group leaders, as teachers, we've become a little too predictable. And so I want to encourage you to do something that will throw a kink into the lesson coming up, something that your folks would not expect. You know, when God communicated in the Old Testament, sometimes he did it in ways that were very unexpected. You know, Balaam's donkey would be an example of that. That was certainly not expected. And so we can emulate that. We can copy that, uh, that learning, that teaching approach, and the communication approach by doing something unexpected. And so let me give you a few ideas. Uh, these are very simple, and, and you can do this uh, without uh, any expense. Do this uh, just before uh, the group comes together for Bible study. There's not a lot of uh, things that you've got to do beforehand, so here they are very quickly. Uh, number one, you can rearrange your room. I like to do this from time to time. If my room is, I've got you know chairs in rows, they're facing a board, a marker board. Sometimes I will take those chairs, and I will rearrange those into two big semicircles, or I will just take those chairs and face them to a different wall that becomes our focal wall. We don't pay attention to what's the typical front of our classroom, but we make one of the other walls the new front for the day. That triggers uh, your people when they come in to wonder what is going to happen in the group today. This is not how the room is typically arranged, and it prepares them for the Bible study that's coming. Uh, you can start uh, if you start the, the Bible study, typically, you know, with announcements and prayer, just don't do that this week. Jump right into the Bible study and save the announcements and prayer for the end of the Bible study. That'll throw them off guard just a bit. It's like throwing a curveball. And then finally, if your church has enough room for this, and you may not, but if you've got an extra empty room somewhere in your building, if your group is meeting in, a home, in, a, in the church, just move your group to a different classroom. Put a sign in the door. You know, we are meeting today, you know, down the hall in room number, you know, whatever that may be. And just going to a different place can sometimes energize a group as they study the Bible together. They walk into the room wondering, why are we meeting in here today? This, this is different. This is not our, our normal place of meeting. And so those three things are just quick ways that you can throw your group a curveball. So spring training, you know, spring baseball is not too far away, right? About another 60 days or so. And you think about baseball players, 
baseball pitchers uh, in particular, there is no way that they would stand on the mound and throw the same pitch over and over every week. Uh, the idea is for them to be unpredictable on the mound to keep that batter off balance, because if they don't, then those batters are going to start hitting balls up into the stands, up into the bleachers, and it'll be game over. So the job of the pitcher is to keep the batters off balance. I say to you as a group leader, it's a good thing to keep your group members a little off balance every once in a while. So try to find a way to bring a little variety into your group. My name is Ken Braddy. I have served as LifeWay's Director of Sunday School. It's been my privilege to be with you on this podcast as we look at the January 16, 2022 lesson titled Faithfulness or Faithlessness, sorry, Faithlessness at the Mountain from Exodus 32 through 34. I pray that God blesses your study of his word. And as you study this very familiar passage of scripture to a lot of your group members, don't think that there's somebody in your group that may just be hearing this story for the very first time. So God bless you as you study Exodus 32 to 34. I'll see you next week as we look at session number four, which we'll teach on January the 23rd. And we will look at a study called the place of meeting. And obviously we'll be looking at the tabernacle. So look forward to that with you. And I will see you in about a week. God bless.